What is going on everybody? Welcome back to the channel. After Sound here bringing you Splinterlands content every single day. We also stream right here in this channel every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday morning. So come by and say hello. Alright guys, well we had another town hall. This was a very exciting one. I mean, two weeks removed from obviously the last town hall in which we got a major announcement about the restructuring and downsizing of the team. But here we are with the post for Rebellion and, uh, you know, it going live very soon. Matt took the time to answer a ton of questions and had, uh, you know, Investigator and Nate on to help kind of present all this information and, of course, help answer questions as well. So I don't have or I don't believe that there is an official town hall summary. I didn't see one posted from the team at the time that I'm recording this video. So we're just going to go straight to my notes here, although there are other fantastic content creators that are putting together full summaries. My stuff, if you're new to the channel or just new to this, it's just the five things that stuck out to me the most. Now, there's a lot of other stuff and you can see my bonus section here is filled with a bunch of things so I'll just quickly touch on those uh, but you know the five main things that we're going to talk about are up here starting with one of the most overlooked issues uh, is the staking and LP rewards staking SPS rewards and LPs are going to be adjusted because it looks like the team did an audit and I think they talked about doing this a couple of weeks ago I remember I remember he talking about it on one of these uh, recaps that they were going to go through and look at the SPS, make sure everything looked good. And I guess it didn't because it seems like they've been giving out too much SPS in some ways versus it reducing by 1%. So the, the biggest culprits here are the staking requirements as well as the LPs. Now, here's the thing. This is a no-win situation. Uh, well, well, first of all, it's just, it's a bad look, right? I always talk about data integrity. We didn't have that. I, obviously, I'm glad that the team is taking the approach now to focus in on finding out just how much SPS should be given out. Looks like staking and LPs were, uh, were not following that protocol of a 1% reduction. But here's the thing. It, it's like what they said is that it's not more SPS than should have come out because LPs haven't been giving out the entire amount. So on an aggregate level, on a net level, it still hasn't been that high, which again, this, this information cuts both ways because it's like, well, we could have been given out more, but even though we weren't giving out the appropriate amount, even though we, even though it was higher than it should have been, SPS is still down at like 1.3 cents. So it's like, can you imagine what the sell pressure would have been like in either of the other scenarios? Um, at the end of the day, I'm glad that they're getting a handle on this, but this is just something that I, I think is getting overlooked. And for everybody who's looking for red flags, here is one, right? The rest of this, the rest of this, uh, town hall uh, recap or the town hall uh, takeaways is probably going to be hype. But I think that this is important because I, there's a lot of people trying to, uh, I don't know how else to say it. I, I mean, I keep calling it cope, right? But I am genuinely excited for where Rebellion, where Splinterlands is heading. But it's stuff like this that I think everybody, you know, everybody should just take that into account. Now, again, it's not, I'm not even saying that it was malicious. I'm not saying that, you know, there's anything shady going on, but it's like data integrity is so important, especially in the world of blockchain. And unfortunately, this game is too small and Hive as a whole is too small of a chain where you have people that are just digging through the data constantly and building dashboards. I mean, we do have that, right? But when you talk about stuff that you can see on Binance or the BNB chain or on Ethereum or Solana and Polygon, I'm not saying that those chains are perfect by any means, but there's just so much more activity there. There's so many more people digging into the data that, that they can find easily because it's all available. They can easily find all of the areas in which, you know, something might just be off because everything is transparent and visible on the blockchain. Obviously, that's the case here, but nobody's really tracking it. So obviously, the team should be tracking it. They're doing that now. I'm going to move on from number one, but it is important and I wanted to start there. 
All right, number two, target packs to sell. Now, Matt, a couple of weeks ago, said that he was only looking to sell two to three million packs. Well, now the target has come down a little bit. And I'm not, I don't think that this is Matt just being bearish. But when you look at the numbers, right, 1.5 to 2 million, if you run the numbers for 1.5 million packs, with the team getting half of that value, right, $4 packs if you count the vouchers, the team getting half of that, that goes up to $3 million, which, again, the team run rate, they said, was roughly $250,000 a month. That gives them a full year, right? $3 million divided by 12 months, that's a full year of expenses. So that, to me, is the target. If we can get to 1.5 million packs, everything above that is kind of gravy. And you know, I'm not saying that the team is going to go out and start hiring a bunch of people again, but it will ease a lot of anxiety about, hey, is this game going to die in five to six months? Again, I don't think that it is. Uh, I'm actually very bullish on the long-term health of Splinterlands now. But 1.5 million packs, I think, is very attainable. We have 500,000 for the pre-sale. I'm not saying that we're going to sell out the pre-sale. Maybe we will, but even if we don't, I think there's going to be a good amount sold. And 1.5 million is something that they're hoping to sell through the life of rebellion which is going to last roughly a year so that should make things interesting and i think there will be continuous sales throughout if the team and the way that they've designed rebellion can help to preserve card value i think people will have the incentive to come in and actually buy some of these packs regularly even later on uh, further down the life cycle okay number three Rebellion production was somewhat confirmed. Again, none of this is actually in uh, in a post anywhere. I know Cryptomancer had hinted at it during a uh, or, or on Discord, and now Matt's talking about it here on uh, on the town hall. But what I thought was interesting was that they're going to start with a 0.5 production, so it's actually a penalty in print, and then push that up to 1x after, which is kind of the same thing that I was saying before, where I thought you know, everything that's in print should be one. And then once it's out of print, you jump it up to 1.5. And I was referring to Chaos Legion at the time, right? Where it's just like, all right, Chaos Legion will be, is, is at one right now. When Rebellion comes out, they should bump Chaos Legion up to 1.5. But they might have to go through and recode a bunch of stuff with land just for that. I think it's probably better where Chaos Legion set at one. You have the new set come in, just put, put a penalty on that, 0.5. And after it goes out of print, then you can bump it up to the one and just have everything new in the future, every new set be at that half multiplier or a penalty essentially and then move it up to 1x afterwards but um yeah i mean i think that's relatively straightforward i'm glad that we got some insight on what the future could potentially look like for land production but um yeah that is that is pretty much it for that okay number four this was really interesting to me uh now i've talked about this for a while what are we going to do with the dow uh dec i've said that the team can buy it from the dow Although, as Matt was saying, it's probably better for them to be buying it off the market. And so he said that the team can buy it if they needed to. And one of the solutions that I've presented that doesn't put downward pressure on it is whenever the team needs DEC. And again, the team is a huge buyer of DEC because they need to process the back end of any credit transactions. So every time credits come in, the credits right from your, your, uh, your bank account or from your credit card will go into their bank account. And so therefore, they take that value buy the equivalent amount of DEC off the marketplace and then distribute it at market value. Again, they're not selling, they're just distributing it on the back end of that transaction, which means that there's no downward sell pressure on it. Now, I've been saying for a long time that you know the team can be kind of the facilitator of that where they could buy uh, kind of like an OTC deal where they can buy SPS or they can buy uh, USDC or something like that, make a swap, especially if we assume the, the DEC and the DAO is going to be at peg or just DEC is at peg in general. And uh, then they can pay that out. The DAO will have some other assets, which would be good. But 
there's going to be a lot of DEC in the Dow potentially, right? So it's like, I don't know that the team and the market transactions are are going to be that heavy that they're going to need to pay that on the back end every single time. I mean, we're going to have way too much of a buildup there. But Investigator brought up something that I had been thinking about and we had talked about on a live stream previously, where it's like, we could cycle them back in as game rewards in some way. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of this because I think it needs to be done in a way that is very thoughtful. And I'm not saying that it can't be done thoughtfully, but keep in mind, if the whole goal is to drive as much value to SPS, every time we take DEC out of the down, recirculate it, right? Whether, and, and this is this is actually more egregious than the team buying it and then distributing it on the back end. Uh, this is more egregious because of the fact that it's, it's essentially going to be printed out as a reward, like reprinted out as a reward. Well, then we as the community need to find a way to soak it up, either buying stuff that will burn it or send it back to the DAO. But then it becomes this kind of circular loop where no new DEC needs to get minted because it's just we're sending it back in for new products being purchased or being released. And then it's being given out to us through some kind of uh, rewards. Now, this can be done in an interesting way and hopefully in a way that doesn't destroy the game economy. I mean, one way in, in which I think we should be doing it right now is uh, doing leaderboards with DEC DAO, right? But at this point in time, I, you know, we'll, we'll see how things play out. If there are other game modes that are brought up in the future, maybe even tower defense, this could be something that's considered where it could be given out instead of SPS. And actually, Investigator did say that we can do this once the SPS is out of, uh, is is completely minted, right? So roughly 65 months afterwards, instead of going back to SPS, we can just start distributing DEC. It's just gonna have to be a, it's just gonna have to be done in a very thoughtful and careful manner so that it doesn't wreck the economy. But I'm not opposed to it, right? I'm I'm giving all the cautions up front, but I'm definitely not opposed to it. I think that we can do something interesting with it. Um, but you know, I'm also very much in favor of just burning it. I mean, I, I think that it helps overall if we just burn it and and it's removed. That way, we don't have to worry about it coming back out. Now, the Dow then loses that, right? The Dow loses that value. But the hope, and Matt said this a while back when he was talking about burning, uh, you know, burning the DEC that Riftwatcher pack purchases would provide. The Dow is going to be receiving, I think, like 400 million SPS over the cycle, you know, over its distribution phase for SPS. So it will have a lot of SPS. And the whole goal is that, if we burn that, then we don't have to take care of it later. It doesn't become a later on problem. It gets removed, and therefore that value indirectly goes back to SPS, and we can start to push the value of SPS up as it starts to get more and more scarce, but it's still needed for many of the other aspects within the game. Just a thought there, right? So I thought it was an interesting concept. I'm glad Investigator brought it up on the town hall, uh, and we'll have to see. Obviously, it seems like it's a, a couple years down the road. All right, number five, just going to list out some numbers here that Matt shared. If you're looking to max out your deck and you're wanting to buy the appropriate amount of packs, again, it's not going to be perfect because you're not going to get everything that you need, but roughly you should be at a maxed regular foil deck if you buy 3,400 packs. Now, the thing is, for gold foil, it's much more complicated because all the different rarities have different numbers. If you buy 7,500 packs, that'll actually get you maxed gold foil commons. But then rares, it jumps up to 15,000. Epic, it jumps up to 17,000. And legendaries, it jumps up to 25,000. So anybody who's thinking that they're just going to go and get a gold foil legendary, uh, gold foil legendary max cards because they buy 25,000 packs... Again, I'm not telling you not to buy packs. Please feel free to go ahead and do that. That helps the community. That helps the DAO. That helps the team. Uh, but it's like it seems like it might be better. You might be better off if you just buy it off the market. Again, 
I think Rebellion cards are going to be super expensive on the market. It's just kind of like my, my first initial thoughts, uh, just just due to scarcity. So maybe it'll be difficult. Maybe it'll be impossible if there's not enough to go around for everyone. So maybe you'll have to buy 25,000 packs. But hopefully that doesn't end up being the case. But you, the way that you can look at it, though, is like for every 25,000 packs bought, that is one gold foil legendary maxed set, right? Uh, now, again, you're going to have uh, epics, rares, and comms. You're going to have more of those. But for every 25,000 packs, there can only be that many gold foil, uh, full gold foil sets, right? But, and again, legendaries being the uh, legendaries being the limiting factor there. So just thought I'd share those numbers with you guys. Now, last part here, bonus section. There were just a couple of other items. I'm just going to try and run through these as quickly as I can. Matt said something I thought that was interesting. He's saying that land is going to be out before the end of the year or it would be a massive or epic fail. Um, on the town square, I think Matt said they were trying to get land out by the end of the month. It seems like now that has been pushed to kind of like end of the year. Although Investigator did say that the goal for them would be to kind of thread the needle between the Rebellion presale and the Rebellion launch, right? The presale begins next week, mid-October, and then the launch of the actual set, right, where you can play it in game, the general sale, is going to be in early December. So that leaves the entire month of November where if we get land, I mean... It could be crazy times. So let's hope that Matt and uh, Investigator are on point here with the time frame that they are giving us. But uh, that's that's kind of where we're at. Uh, somebody asked Matt if there, you know, if there would be a CEO anytime soon, and Matt pretty much shut that down. Said that they're not really in a position for that. I think that's great. Not for Matt necessarily. I don't want him to get bogged down or to burn out from doing, you know, all of the CEO work that he doesn't necessarily like to do. But at the same time, I I appreciate the fact that he has kind of taken taking this thing by the wheel and is going to drive the vision for what he has in mind for Splinterlands forward. So hopefully that doesn't end up being something that he regrets or, you know, burns him out, but it doesn't sound, sound like we're going to be getting a new CEO anytime soon. All right. Uh, Spawn, everybody who was excited about Spawn, it was long, it was announced roughly a year ago during Splinterfest. Uh, that is not happening anymore. At least it seems like it's dead in the water at this point. Not to say that it can't come back in a zombie form in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> but uh, at least for now, I think we should stop talking about spawn. Um, the airdrops for the, uh, the, the, uh, the conflicts, right, are going to be RNG, and that was confirmed. I think that this is very interesting because I think it's going to reduce pack sales significantly, and this should be called out because I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed by it. You will need to participate in the conflicts, and the conflicts will be completely RNG-based. You get as many points as you can, and you're up against other people who are getting as many points as they can, and then it just comes down to what your chances are there. So in that way, Matt is really staying true to his goal of People should not be buying more packs than they need, especially if they're just chasing airdrops and then undercutting them, uh, undercutting the store on the secondary market. So here's the deal. If we all go out and we just buy the packs that we need, yes, it's not going to be 10 million packs. It may, it may not even be 1.5 million packs. I don't know what the, the appetite for the player base is. But if we just go out and buy what we need, then at the end of the day, we're not going to be upset about the RNG. I mean, yes, it, RNG, I always get upset about RNG, but it's not going to be like, oh, well, somebody bought a ton of packs and therefore, they won a ton of airdrops. If they did that, they're taking a massive risk, right? They're taking a massive risk on that too. So I, I can kind of respect where, where they're coming from. If they're willing to do that, then that's cool. But for the rest of us, it's like, I don't want to take a massive risk for a chance. So I'm just going to buy the packs and the cards that I need and go from there. 
Uh, all right. Uh, there was some mention about the the SEC suing or, or filing a lawsuit against several other gaming tokens. Uh, Axie Infinity was mentioned. I think Sand is another one in there. I, I need to look into it a little bit more. Uh, someone asked Matt if they should be worried about SPS. Matt said two things that I think should. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, may, maybe maybe you can find them bullish. One is the fact that this was issued by the SPS Foundation, which is not based in the U.S., so the, U the SEC would have to go after kind of like an international entity. I believe they're based in Singapore. So there's a little you know layer of protection there. And then number two, he kind of said that SPS is way smaller than all those other tokens, so the SEC is not going to waste their time, which I technically agree with, right? But I don't think that's a good strategy. I think, uh, and this is just me kind of speaking like open about it. It's like, I mean, shouldn't the strategy be that we want to be like one of the bigger tokens? I don't I don't want to be in the crosshairs of the SEC, but that's also it just doesn't feel like something to be necessarily proud of. Again, I'm not saying that Matt was proud of it, but it's like, yeah, we're a small token, so we don't have any targets on our back right now. But I think the goal should be to be a huge target, to be a a name and a player, you know, a game changer in the game five play to earn space that is, you know, hopefully going to be something that takes over the world in the next decade. Um, so again, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Obviously it doesn't sound like a big issue, so I'm not going to blow it out of proportion, but I just thought the responses were interesting. And then finally, could there be node license utility on land? That could be really cool. Uh, again, this is just something that was brought up to Matt. He said that, People should put in some kind of, uh, what is that called, uh, proposal for this in order to gauge community temperature. Um, but he's not opposed to it. So there's nothing actually planned for this. It's just the idea of it is appealing and Matt wants to see what the community temperature is like. I will say this, though. I do believe that there, there's, there's a huge separation of investors and players, right? You have the whole DeFi element that includes like liquidity pools and you could probably even throw nodes in there as well. But it would actually be awesome, similar to other games that are on Hive, I'm giving Decrops a shout out here, where you could get in-game benefits for providing liquidity. Now, I don't know that, it, it's tough to do it in a way where it's gonna be considered fair. So maybe there should be some cap there or there should be some like layers or tiers. If you're providing this much of uh, you know liquidity, then you get some kind of benefit in game. So with the node licenses, getting some potential utility on land, I think that could be really cool because most people who are playing the game, they don't care about node licenses. And why would you? It has nothing to do with you. But if it did, you could really expand out what the whole player investor kind of mindset and community looks like. But I just thought all those were, were interesting little tidbits. I think this has gone on long enough. So I will go ahead and end the video here. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below, guys. I am still super hyped on where things are going. Uh, I'm recording this on the morning of the, the 10th of October, and we are already seeing the reaction for vouchers and DEC. So exciting times ahead, especially if we can get this out, land out, and then the full launch of Rebellion by the end of the year. I think 2023 is going to be awesome, and hopefully 2024 will bring even better and cooler things. But have an amazing rest of your day. I'll catch you all in the next video and see you around the game. Take care.